and welcome to the Reorg Europe bi-weekly podcast. My name is Sean Qureshi and I'm an analyst in London. This week I'm joined by my colleagues, financial analysts Cedric Cassin and Rob Summers and reporter Aurelia Sedlhofer and we will be discussing Sembian and Paprik. Now, on to Sembian. Aurelia, you cover quite a few German situations and have been following the credit for quite a while. I understand that Sembian's 400 million euro senior secured notes have traded down relatively quickly to the mid-30s from 50 at the end of January. What's going on? Well, Sean, for those unfamiliar with the situation, Sembian is a German manufacturer of onshore and offshore wind turbines. And the recent price drop came after the company significantly cut its full year 2018 guidance on February 19th. So they lowered it from 1.6 billion of revenue to 1.45 billion. And they also said its adjusted EBITDA margin will be 3% instead of 5.5%. Wow, that's quite a big difference. So how did we get there? Essentially, the wind energy market is going through a big transformation. In Germany, but also elsewhere, the way governments support uh, this renewable energy source is changing. So in Germany specifically, the guaranteed prices that wind farm operators get for electricity has come down since 2017 because of a new auction system. Germany used to have fixed feed-in tariffs for this type of electricity. But the ad, with the advent of auctions, prices hit lows of about four euro cents per kilowatt hour at the end of 2017. And this has been felt throughout the supply chain and has affected Senvian and peers like Nordex uh, what they, uh, in what they can charge for their turbines. Okay, so how is the market developing? Well, recently this has improved a bit with the first auction in 2019 coming in at six cents per kilowatt hour, so a lot more than the four cents we talked about earlier. But there's always a time lag between high electricity prices for the operators and this hitting Senvian's order book. After an auction, it takes some time until a wind farm is actually built. And in Germany, there have been several issues um, with citizens opposing the construction, for example. There's also an incentive for operators to hold construction as technology improves very quickly and becomes cheap. Thanks, Aurelia. Rob, can you give us more background on the situation? Thanks, Sean. It's important to remember that Senvion has faced challenges for a while. Its previous owner, India-based Suzlon, paid 1.8 billion euros for the business before selling it to Centerbridge for 1 billion euros in April 2015. A year later, in March 2016, Senvian went public, listing about a quarter of its shares on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. Proceeds were used not to offer any new shares, but to return proceeds to shareholders and to enable the company to raise more equity in the future. What's interesting here is that the initial IPO was pulled and the offering was relaunched a week later, with the company lowering the offered stake to 28.75% from 46%, and reducing the price range from €15.50 to €17 per share, from €20 to €23.50. They were eventually placed at €15.75. Great. What about the bonds? Now, these were issued in April 2017 at a yield of 3 and 7 eighths to refinance an equal amount of existing bond debt that had been issued to finance Centerbridge's acquisition of the business. The notes consistently traded at par until the company released its third quarter 2017 results in November of that year. 
They then slowly traded down to the mid to low 80s over the following 12 months as revenue and EBITDA continued to decline. What's particularly interesting about the notes, and this is coming into focus now that investors are questioning the company's viability, is that they sit under a 125 million euro super senior RCF and an 825 million euro super senior guarantee facility. We understand that most of this guarantee facility has been drawn. Great. Can you give us an overview of the company's financial performance? Well, revenue has declined from 2.2 billion euros in 2016 to 1.89 billion rather in 2017 to 1.4 billion over the 12 months to September 30th, 2018. Over the same period, adjusted EBITDA dropped from 206 million in 2016 to 152 million in 2017 to 91 million over the last 12 months. Now, Aurelia mentioned the company's revised guidance earlier, and it's worth mentioning a couple of other points here. First, the February downward revision followed one in November when the company lowered its full-year revenue guidance to 1.6 billion from between 1.8 to 1.9 billion euro and said that its EBITDA margin will be at the low end of its 5.5% to 6% guidance range. Senvian then affirmed these figures at a conference in London in mid-January before, as mentioned, it further lowered these targets on February 19th. The latest figures, interestingly, imply that the company generated zero EBITDA in the fourth quarter. So what do you think will happen now? What are the options? It's really unclear. For one, the company has postponed the release of its financial statements that had been scheduled for March 14th. So we don't know when we'll get another set of results. In any case, though, things are starting to move as the company has announced that it has entered into discussions with Centerbridge and its lenders and third parties to secure financing and agree on a path forward. While the debt for equity swap and an injection of new money are likely, the nature of restructuring is still unclear. Thanks both. Now, Cedric, what does Paprec do? So Paprec is a French waste management company. Through M&A, as many as 60 acquisitions in 25 years and nine in the last four years, Paprec has grown into a diversified waste management business. Proforma for the transformational COVID deal in 2017, the company generates 1.4 billion of revenue and 170 million of EBITDA. The company's historical business is in waste paper recycling. Collecting waste paper from thousands of industrial customers and then, after sorting and treatment, selling the paper as a raw material in the spot market. It's a family-owned business, but interestingly, the French state-owned BPI bank has a 33% stake in the company. Great. Can you walk me through the company's capital structure? Yeah, the company has roughly 1 billion euros of debt, comprised of 800 million of senior secured notes, and 150 million of finance leases. The company has a fully undrawn 200 million super senior revolver that facility matures in March 2024 and the bonds a year after in March 2025. At the end of September 2018, gross leverage is at 6.1 times and net leverage is at 5.9 times. Great. Can you tell me a little bit more about the bonds? So the the notes were issued a year ago, in March 2018. It was a bond refinancing exercise. The old bonds were issued in 2015 to fund CapEx and M&A. In December, 
Following the release of the Q3 results, the new notes fell by nearly 10 points to 85.86. They have not recovered since, and they are now trading at 86 with a yield to maturity of 7%. Mm -hmm. So the Q3 results, they, they were quite weak. Yeah, the highlights of those, release, of those results were the acceleration of the EBITDA decline, minus 17% on a like-for-like -like basis, compared to minus 1% in Q1 and Q2, and the material free cash outflow because of deterioration in the working capital and the high capex. The company blames the new Chinese regulation on waste imports. As you probably know, China is having a proactive approach in several environmental issues. For waste, the country wants to limit what they import from the rest of the world. They have therefore lifted the required purity rate. In short, this means for Paprec, higher sorting and processing costs. Another headwind for Paprec is the tax environment in France. So what's, what's the company's outlook? So the company does not provide an EBITDA guidance, but we expect further pressure because of the pricing environment. The policy changes in China led to a drop in waste paper prices. The pricing risk is actually small for the company because of indexation clauses in purchasing contracts. The gross margin has been under pressure and we expect this to continue going forward. Second point, the tax environment in France. The TG, TGAP tax in France, which is a tax based on the polluter, polluter pays principle, is set to increase by twofold in the coming years. Finally, on the CAPEX side, we don't have the full year 2018 numbers yet, but I expect the company to have spent more than they actually guided for. And looking forward, it's uncertain how much the company can, can cut, cut its capex. That's really interesting. So what about the liquidity? How's, how's that looking? So outside of the leases, the company does not have any major debt repayment before 2025. The RCF is fully undrawn at the end of September. So we think the company has time and flexibility to turn the situation around. Having said that, liquidity is bound to deteriorate. The company has just 30 million of cash on its balance sheet, and then we expect them to draw on the RCF to fund further negative free cash outflow. On a LTM basis, they have burned 23 million euros. The question then becomes, how much will they be able to draw on their revolver? Indeed, the revolver has a covenant limiting the super senior leverage at 1.8 times. If 100 million is drawn. So based on our estimates, assuming an EBITDA drop of 25%, the maximum that the company could draw on the revolver would be 75 million euros. So in a stress scenario, using the revolver to fund the cash burn can only be a short-term fix. The company needs to find a long-term solution to restore its free cash generation. That's great. So I guess the final question is, what, what are the company's options? Well, at this point, we think investor wants to hear about the management's plan to improve liquidity and reduce leverage. That's why CapEx plans are being scrutinized. And in a worst case scenario, which is just a working assu assumption at this point, the company would need to look into asset sales, equity injections, and potentially debt amendments, in our opinion. Thanks, Cedric. This is the end of the Real Europe podcast. We'll be back in two weeks' time.